Right, connected family, welcome to another episode. Um, it is a pleasure to be able to yeah, spend time with you. Thank you for taking time out to see what I have to say. Uh, but not only what I have to say, on today's show I have two guests, uh, which is really exciting. I think this is the first time that I actually interview two people at the same time. Uh, so my technology game is stepping up a level. And today we have Caleb and Justin. And for people who don't know uh, who Caleb and Justin are, you are guys are going to be inspired and impressed by the end of this episode and I know that your hearts will be drawn uh, to understand uh, what listening can do in terms of ministry outreach but not only that uh, how it can be used to glorify God and how the conversations that we have um, can have such a, a significant impact in people's lives so I'm really excited and I can't wait for you guys to see a little bit more of what it looks like to be involved in the digital space um, in other aspects, not just through podcasts, but um, yeah, through personal interaction with people. So yep, jump on board and let's get into this episode. So on today's episode, I want to give my listener appreciation award to Gemma Tapman. Um, she is a girl that I met through uh, Bible working in Newcastle. So I originally met her at Arise graduation and I didn't know who she was, but she sung a great song about David Ashrick, Matt Power and everyone else. And I was like, wow, this girl is so talented. And I later met her um, when I was visiting my best friend in Newcastle. And Gemma is one of those people that uh, her testimony is extremely inspiring. Uh, she was not Adventist, but she came to the Adventist message and that girl has just taken the message with all her strength and um, now she's studying theology at Avondale. So uh, Gemma, thank you so much for your support. Uh, thank you so much um, as well just for your encouragement. And I can't wait to see the story that God has uh, planned out for you and to be able to yeah, watch from the sidelines and cheer you on. So thanks, Gemma. All right. So now that I've given that out, welcome, Caleb. Welcome, Justin. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It is my pleasure. Trust me. I, I'm extremely excited. When you guys got online, I had to put my game face on and act like it was just us chilling and relaxing and just talking about life. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really exciting to have you on. And um, yeah, just to be able to share what God is doing in your lives and in your ministry at the moment. So for those who don't know us, which is, would you like to just give a little personal intro of who you are as a person? outside of your ministry and then maybe if you want to share a little bit about what your ministry is as well. So my name is Justin Koo. Uh, I was born and raised in Southern California and in the last couple of years my wife and I have moved to the Portland, Oregon area where we love it and uh, right now I am a, a YouTuber and a podcaster and I guess a consultant of sorts for the church and so I've been making content on the internet now for the last four or so years. Um, I initially started a ministry called That Christian Vlogger, which was more focused on answering commonly asked questions about the Bible and discipling, um, really, mentioned, uh, really geared towards young adults. And uh, right now I run two different shows. One is called The Move, which is a, a Bible uh, kind of exploration podcast where we go through books of the Bible 10 minutes at a time. That's co-hosted with my good friend, Jonathan Leonardo. And the second show, which is the one that we're talking about today, is the one that I run with Caleb. It's a show called I'm Listening, and it's focused on kind and thoughtful conversations with people who see the world 
just a little bit differently. And I guess I should also mention, I am, uh, as of 2020, a brand ambassador for the Center for Online Evangelism, which is a really cool um, ministry that's out there trying to help solve, I guess, the PR problem that we have in the Adventist church. When people Google Seventh-day Adventist, they see things like cult and toxic and false and unbiblical and all kinds of kind of crazy things. And these are the people that are leading the charge, trying to help uh, on a grand scale, uh, really solve the issues that we as an Adventist church have on the internet. Excellent. When I listened to your, um, your testimony of getting into YouTube, and I remember that you in one, I've listened to so much of your stuff, in one of your presentations, you mentioned about that when people Google or go onto YouTube and search the Seventh-day Adventist Church, there's so much information that is like really negative, extremely biased, totally distorted, um, and our presence isn't there. And so I really appreciate not only your ministry in the YouTube space, but the center of online evangelism. Like I, I'm like, church, could we have done this like uh, like 10 years ago? Um, but it's so encouraging to see that our church <laughs> has realized that there is a need um, and now they're, they're providing uh, for it through the center of online evangelism. So that is really cool. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's super exciting. It's it's great to be a part of it. And like you said, I think that this is absolutely necessary for the time that we're in. Yeah. And with your move as well. So I've been watching that um, on Facebook and YouTube and they're really good as well because it is 10 minutes um, and it's just so quick. The way you and Jonathan work, the dynamic and the chemistry there is really good. And when you add the Holy Spirit to it, I think it just comes out extremely, extremely good. Um, so I do encourage everyone to find that as well because um, it is it is quite good as well. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the Christian blogger and um, yeah, rebranding that you're going through at the moment. So that's going to be cool. So Caleb, what about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. My name is Caleb Isley. I am Justin's assistant. No, sort of. I'm Justin's PA. <laughs> um, I, I'm the editor for, yeah, I'm the editor for Humans of yep. Adventism, which is a an online storytelling platform that features the life experiences of Seventh-day Adventists. Um, I've really been in the business of asking questions and listening to people tell their stories for uh, several years, even really got my start in in the secular space, working for a newspaper, running some uh, online blogs and things like that. And uh, when I came back to church, took that experience with me and started thinking about how I could apply this to uh, Mm -hmm. faith work and and kind of the value that just listening to other people and being exposed to what their life actually looks like and how it makes them Mm -hmm. who they are and how it makes them think uh, just how valuable those things are so that's led me to now uh, working full-time in this Um, I do four stories a week two for humans of adventism and now two for the Oregon Conference of mm-hmm. Seventh-day Adventists uh, through their social media pages. So I spend a lot of time just sitting with people, asking them questions about their life, and then figuring out a way to kind of consolidate that down in a way that works mm-hmm. on social media. And I, I <clears throat> so I came across Humans of Adventism. It probably would have been maybe like two years ago. And um, I, I didn't know about Humans of New York 
Uh, so I know that that was a little bit of an inspiration as to what you do for the church now, but I, I'd never seen anything like it. And for me, when I read through those stories, um, and I will be totally honest, coming from an extremely conservative background and my past, I it grieved my heart because there were some other stories where uh, young people and young adults shared of the impact that fundamental beliefs had on their walk. And honestly, it really opened my eyes to the impact that we can have on people, regardless of whether we are extremely fundamental, whether we're in the middle. Um, and for me, it, and, and I, I can only, I'm, it's only by God's grace that I can say I, I don't believe that I have damaged people in the extent that some people have been damaged and in the stories that they shared. But it really opened up my eyes and, and gave me a little bit of a glimpse of what people go through in their spiritual battles. And sometimes we can just label things as, oh, you know, you want to be more modern and, you know, you're trying to be liberal or whatever it is that we want to label it. But I saw the humanity in people's spiritual struggles. And that was really, really helpful for me in order to be a little bit more compassionate. Um, even though God is is bringing me to the center and bringing me to the middle to where he desires for um, all of us to be. And yeah, I, I, it has really helped me and has always has made me be really and maybe just more empathetic to people's walk, regardless of what end of the spectrum of Adventism you fall under. Um, and I've really appreciated just the stories that you have brought out because I think it does reveal the humanity um, of our church and of each person that makes up our church. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, and, yeah, it is of, of a lot of value to me. Um, yeah, to be able to hear those stories. So, but did you guys, uh, just a quick question for both of you, did you ever think that you would be doing your ministry full time as this is what my life is about and to be traveling around the world, um, just inspiring other people with your story? Did you think at some point or even at the beginning of your ministry that that's what you guys were going to do? <laughs> it's funny because it reminds me of a post that Caleb put on his Facebook page, which if you're not following Caleb on Facebook or Twitter yet, you gotta, he's got a, a great stream of uh, content there, but he was asking, yeah. where were you 10 years ago? And I think he shared some statistics like, oh, I didn't have a phone or, you know, I was doing this job or whatever. 10 years ago, I was working as a literature evangelist and a Bible worker and like preaching, you know, evangelistic crusades kind of a thing. And I fully believed that that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. One, because it was the most effective way to spread the gospel to as many people as possible. And two, I would be doing that because I thought the end of like the world was so near that there was no time to do anything else. Like I'd I think when I first graduated from high school, I didn't even go straight into college really or to pursue a degree because like, I don't even know if I got four or five years left. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was just so all in on this. And so, you know, the idea of a future, the idea of a career was just something that was not on my radar at all, much less using the internet. And, I, and one particular thing was, uh, I think around that time, David Ashrick had a sermon called Facebook Disgrace or My, something like that, MySpace Disgrace, I think is what it was. And it convinced me that social media was bad and you know evil or fill in the blank. And so I deleted all my social media accounts, which is really a tragedy because I have no memories on Facebook from like high school because I was an early adopter. I think I, I got on Facebook in like 
2005, maybe. Like I was fairly early into it. So I would have had some good memories. But I had deleted my social media. I was all about knocking on doors. And I was convinced that Jesus was coming in the next five years. What about you, Caleb? Yeah. Ten years ago, I was a construction worker. So I no, I, I didn't. The Internet was not a daily part of life for me. Um, and, and really the thing about this is these things that we're doing and getting paid to do really, we couldn't have known that this was possible. Mm. You know, we, we didn't know, like when I started college, social media management was not a career. Maybe it was something that you gave an intern, you know, but, but it was always part of something else. It was always the, the add on to the important thing. and and really, I think we've come into these things as they've become, you know, more and more a viable career option, viable ministry option. Um, it, it's almost like I, I compare it to people who were alive when the printing press uh, first yeah. came into existence, right? If they had started their education and their career journey uh, before that, they couldn't know that they would be a, you know, writer in that way or Mm -hmm. or make a book in that way or and the same has happened to us with the internet we've really lived in this time in history and and just happened to start doing something and develop alongside technology so no i i never saw myself working with the church at all let alone using the internet to do it um i mean part of my story i left the church uh, during maybe Almost, almost the inverse of, of Justin's experience where he's, you know, getting more involved. I'm getting less and less involved, getting more involved in community service, getting more involved in, um, you know, building relationships and that kind of thing. But I, I didn't see the value of church for years, um, even though I had grown up in it. So, yeah, no, I, I had no expectation even two years ago that I would be able to do this every day. And look at God. God's like, yeah, you left my church. Now I'm going to have you part of, like, working for my church. Like, he's so amazing. So amazing. And then mm-hmm. Justin's gone from, I'm not doing any Facebook to, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. God's like, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my plans are not your plans. So, yeah, it's amazing so to see how he works. Even the the relationship between Justin and I is still relatively new. I mean, we didn't know that we would be working together on anything either. And yet here I am moving across the country, you know, living in his area now. And we have the ability to do this. Yeah. I'm not convinced that Caleb liked me when we first met. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You must tell us why. Why? (laughs) Okay. So we, we had some history. Um, (laughs) It's, it's not, too deep but the uh the first time that i i found justin i was actually going through my normal routine of reaching out to people for interviews mm-hmm. and at the time that meant coming home sweaty dirty gross and just in the truck just sending like you know 20 messages to adventists that i found and saying hey would you be willing to to do an interview for humans of adventism and i messaged justin and he's like i don't want to write this out can you call me? And Mm -hmm. just because of how my life was, it was highly inconvenient. I was always in loud environments or it was late at night or whatever. 
to do phone calls. And so I really, I was just like, this guy, like, <laughs> like, like no. And then just, just like, no, I just didn't contact him. And then yeah. right around this time, um, Adventist institutions started opening up like social media management jobs. And they really had been behind on this where they hadn't been mm. hiring people very much. And so we had several opportunities coming up and there's one particular one that Justin and I both applied for. And during that time, I felt like I can't talk to him at all. I can't let him know that I'm applying. <laughs> this guy's like a big YouTuber. Like he'll probably get it over me, yeah. you know? So, so it was, you know, we, we made it through that period of time and ended up speaking together and <laughs> really hitting it off. <laughs> now look at you. In, in, my de- in my defense, <laughs> during that time of my life, I think I was making a YouTube video every single day for a period of months. And so, you know, and I'm not a writer. Like writing is not a skill set of mine that I really claim per se. So he was asking me for hours of my life in order to write this thing. And I'm just like, dude, let's hop on the phone for 20 minutes. You'll get the story you want. And then I can go back to having to make another video or whatever I was doing in that day. But I'm super grateful that we were able to survive that rocky start because, you know, it's super fun (laughs) that we get to do this together now. And I'm super grateful for Caleb. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, look... And that's why I think, you know, sometimes we can, we can, uh, I mean, I don't want to use the word judge because I know everyone doesn't really like the ideas and everything that comes with it. But I think sometimes we can see a person's situation and we, we think we, we know everything behind it, but yeah, there's always a bit more to the story. And if we can just hold on and give it a little bit of time, you'll find out the, the, the rest of the story. So, all right, well, that's interesting. So, well, if that's how you guys started, how come you guys are like, friends and playing in the digital playground now um, and hanging out and collaborating. What what has brought you guys together, not only in terms of the fact that you're working for the church and you're in the same area, but now you're collaborating on this new ministry, which maybe you could give a little bit of intro into what it is that you guys are working on now. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll say that I've wanted to work with Caleb for a while. And that that's not just only true of Caleb. I think for me, my inclination is to find all of the people who are interested in the same mission and cause, you know, digital missions, and to try and find a way to collaborate and work together and support each other. I've never really looked at it as like, oh, I got to compete with so-and-so. I want to collaborate with them instead. And so, you know, it took me, I don't know, I want to say like it took me over a year to convince Caleb to do it, but he finally moved to the Northwest <laughs> and uh, it, it required me letting him live on my couch for months, it seemed like, but uh, <laughs> eventually we were in the same space together. And I think, I think it's starting to look like, it's starting to look like manipulation now, Caleb. I will provide a home for you. <laughs> Only if. <laughs> well, we're, we're very similar in this way. We, we both very much value uh, constructive criticism. We very much value community building mm. and strategy. And so for me, eh, I mean, I get it, you know, and, and I, I, it's actually kind of encouraging to me that, that, that I matter, yeah. you know? Um, and I think also like, I am not a person who lets even first impressions last mm. Um, I think more than anything, I'm a curious person. So when we ended up, uh, we both ended up in Washington, D.C., speaking for a communication event. Mm -hmm. And already I was just 
you know, I, I wanted to hear more. I wanted to learn more about what Justin was doing and really just seeing him interact with people and getting to talk to him myself, you know, very quickly, you know, changed where I was like, you know, this, this is somebody that I want to, I want to spend time with. I want to develop. And I think there was a little bit of camaraderie there in that we were both people who started in like our living room or, you know, a work truck or whatever. And then we're navigating this independent space where we're supportive of the church, but we're not going to let the church stand in the way of our purpose and, and calling. Um, and, and really, you know, we went through this period of time where the church wasn't paying us to do anything, Mm. let alone, I mean, at least for me, um, mentioning what I was doing at all or supporting it. And I think, you know, navigating that space and finding other people who are doing that is, is so, it was just so important to find someone else, uh, that, that understood that experience. And so, yeah, we, we ended up, I'm, I'm a very planned person. So, you know, I wasn't just going to say, Hey, moving across the country is a good idea. I'll do it today. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) it took a long time for, for the structure to come in place. And even then, it felt like the biggest risk I'd ever taken in my life. Yes. Uh, but you know, once, once we did it, I, I, there was no looking back. I'm, this was the right thing to do. And now coming and putting our heads together and just being two very different people with completely different skill sets and experiences that both have the same mission and, and heart for yeah. others. I think has been such a dynamic, interesting relationship. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting too, because when we speak about unity in the church, I feel that even in the diversity of our different ideas and different skill sets, like it's, and even different personalities, the Holy Spirit can bring about a unity um, that gives us a desire for focus on mission and outreach and you know growing the kingdom and all those types of ideas and to be able to see that in in the two of you because I for me watching from the outside like I see that you guys are very different personalities even though I don't really know you that personally um but just the dynamics of seeing that that desire to be able to use your skills in a way that is beneficial and in another platform or in another way um is really encouraging like I was like because I didn't know you guys were collaborating um I had no idea that it was both of you and then when Justin mentioned it I'm like what I didn't even know it was two of you (laughs) so um it's really cool it's really cool to be able to see that um so Justin what about your end how how was the idea of collaborating with Caleb how did that all come to to existence yeah well that, that whole idea of we're two very different people, uh, different personalities, like the whole thing, like that's absolutely 100% true. Um, you know, aside from being Adventist in our own local, whatever meaning that is, I want to say that there's a lot more that kind of sets us as, as different than as similar. And to me, that's actually what was most exciting about it. Um, mm. this, this whole new show is built off the back of the mm-hmm. idea of spending time with people who see the world differently than I do. Yes. And a lot of that is because I've spent so much of my time, so much of my ministry in my life, simply talking, never listening. Like literally, mm. like my, my job was to talk yes. on a stage 
or in a home and to convince another person that what I believe or what I was saying is right or true. And, you know, I think there's value in that. And I think that there's, you know, some truth to the ideas that I was trying to share. But um, in my journey, I've been meeting more and more people who are just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people, but come from a very different perspective. And, you know, just, you know, God's been doing this thing in my heart where he's been helping me to see people not the way that I would naturally see them Mm -hmm. in the flesh, just for who they are, their actions or whatever, but to see them really, I believe, in the way that he sees them as as his children. And so where there was a sense of competition or there was a sense of, maybe I'll even say it, superiority or smugness, it's being replaced now with compassion and a desire Mm -hmm. to, to... to, to you know, help them to come to know God, and not from like, oh, I must believe in the God that you believe in, but to just experience His love and to better their life in some way, shape, or form. And in many ways, I felt somewhat ill-equipped to do that. One, because I hadn't had much experience doing it, but also, um, you know, I didn't have the same background as them. And so, partnering with someone like Caleb, who has a different story, who comes from a different part of the country, who you know, maybe even like politically and on certain religious issues, we might not always see eye to eye. It's actually been a tremendous blessing for me because it's given me a much more well-rounded um, understanding of people. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think one of the many things that Caleb does exceptionally well is his care and his empathy towards people and his ability to to understand where they're coming from. And so just being able mm-hmm. to be in the same space as him and let that rub off on me just a little bit has been nothing but a gift. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you bring that out, the whole aspect of you're known for talking. And that's what I'm saying. Your ministry is based around what you have to say because you're in that YouTube space and you go to you, ha- you got to have people engaged for the duration of your video and you, you can't just be in silence. But then Caleb's ministry is so different. His ministry is based around, let me just listen to you until I get this this part of your story that I want to share with people so it is so true I actually did a podcast on um on on like opposites attract and I compared Casey Neistat with Peter McKinnon and um I don't know if you guys know both of them but they're so different in their personality but when you put them together it's incredible how they balance each other out and how just their approach to so their YouTubers their approach to their YouTube videos it just they just infuse really nicely. Um, the balance that they create is is really good. And I, I see the dangers in it as well because they're just the way they function and the way they think is so different. But to be able to use both your skills to to blend and to weave into weave into each other is is really good. Like I'm excited to see, excited how it goes. And I, I know you guys will grow through that as well. God will use it to refine your personality as well so that you can grow and yeah, be, be a better version of yourself as you learn through each other. Um, so that's really cool. That's really exciting. So what is, so you're obviously in the digital space and you have your podcast now that is called I'm listening. Is that right? Yep. So what, what is, how do you feel that this digital ministry affects our church? Um, how do you think, um, obviously with the center of online evangelism, you'd be very aware of maybe the benefits, uh, maybe you'll be aware of how it can help our church. Is there stuff that you feel really passionate about with regards to digital ministry that 
Uh, you feel like as a church, we should continue to embrace it, continue to develop it and grow it? Yeah, well, I would say like one of the major problems that I have been witnessing on the internet and have been guilty of doing myself is that when we are passionate about a belief, it's really easy to simply share your belief and anyone who dissents, anyone who looks at the world differently than you do, you simply just block them and unfollow them mm-hmm. and basically yes. censor their voice on your page. And I understand the inclination Ooh, to do it. Yes. And if people are doing that, like I'm not knocking it. But what that created for me was an echo chamber where everyone believes what mm. I believe and everyone's, you know, a cheerleader of sorts. And pretty soon it, what happens is you dehumanize someone who sees the world differently because you're not used to hearing their voice or seeing their perspective, oftentimes what happens is you just look at those people, whoever the those people are, as irrational and maybe emotional and foolish or fill in the blank, which is a really tragic thing because let's say even just like on the whole Jesus or no Jesus issue, Uh you know, if you, if you follow Jesus, part of the whole point of the story is that you help others come to know uh, Christ in the way that you have and, or in the in a, in a meaningful sense maybe not exactly the way that you have but you can't you literally can't do that if you've cut off every relationship with someone who is a non-christian and so what happens is when you finally have that conversation with your cousin or your coworker or your kid finally says you know what I don't want to go to church I don't think I really believe in this thing anymore you're just kind of standing there with your jaw on the ground because you have no clue what to say. You have no idea, you know, why they've made this decision because you've insulated yourself so very much. And so I know that I, I did that for myself a lot. And in the last year or two, God's been bringing like the kinds of relationships that I never thought that I would have had before. I'm hanging out with, with literal pagans and Wiccans mm and atheists and Christians of different political spectrums like and it's just not always knowing how to navigate those conversations and so this this show really is the living out of what I believe God has called me personally to do which is to actually spend time with those people when I look at the life of Jesus he was someone who was not afraid to hang out with people who were the others he hung out with the quote-unquote sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the heathens and the fill in the blank. And he wasn't afraid of that. And I think that yeah. if we're trying to model Jesus's life, this is part of what it takes. Yeah. Um, what about you, Caleb? What are some things that you have really found beneficial with regards to online um, digital ministries? And, and how do you tie that in with the podcast with I'm Listening? Um, yeah. How has that been beneficial? And do you think it's beneficial for our church? So because I also grew up very traditional, um, I spent the majority of my very first kind of speaking engagements and uh, that kind of and kind of work trying to convince uh, Adventists to use the internet, just just basic, yeah. use the internet, use social media for your church, that kind of thing. I think this is a step beyond that. I think you know enough people are doing that now and and talking about the value. What I, I see us doing with this is focusing on using it intentionally. Um, so not just using mm-hmm. it, but then what do you do with it? And how do you make an impact? 
And for me, one of the most dangerous things about how we're doing religion and how religion was done in my experience growing up is that we've treated it as a, a sports team, right? That we, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're Adventist, you're my, my side. If you're, you know, take the label, take this specific wording mm-hmm. and become like me and then we're cool. And then we're on the same side. And then I care about yes. you and I can do things for you and that kind of thing. But if not, you are the opposition, right? You are something else. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, I really, I don't see Jesus acting like that. Uh, he did have particular people mm. he was angry with. In my reading of the Bible, it was people abusing other people in his name. But it, it wasn't, mm. it wasn't, are you a Jew? Are you a Christian? Are you, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. It was, he would care about them first. He would build a relationship first. Mm. He would go and sit with them and spend time with them. And that's, part of what invited so much criticism of Jesus was that he would spend time with the exact people that everyone around him said, no, you even, even down to the, the children, right. And women, you, you see people actively trying to stop Jesus from spending time with them. And he directly says, no, I'm going to like, leave it alone. This is the way. And I, I want us to do that more. And, and I think, one thing Justin said uh, early on when we started working on this project that really stuck with me is someone has to model what this looks like. Um, someone has to be the one to do it. And, and I found that to be true with anything that I've tried to do within the churches that people have to see something working before they'll do it themselves. Very few people will take mm-hmm. that first step. And so, yeah, you know, I, I hope that we can add to that conversation. And if we can inspire anybody else to do this, if we can inspire just a little more uh, empathy, a little more interest in the people around us, that's success. And I found in my own personal journey, because so obviously I came from like a very extreme conservative idea of Adventism. And basically what happened in the isolation and the echo chamber that Justin was talking about, I felt that that had happened to me on like a personal level with my Adventist faith. I had my own little crew. I had mm-hmm. the same people that I hung out with. Mm. Um, and I share this on the podcast in my um, in a little bit of my testimony. It wasn't until God took me out of that and placed me in what at the time I considered to be a quite liberal um group of people which was through a rise it wasn't until god put us there that god opened my eyes to seeing and and i say it like really honestly to seeing a level of spirituality within what i would label as liberal people that really just shook my my idea of adventism it shook up everything that i these false ideas that I had built up in my head and around the, the people that I was around as well. Um, if, and so as we all thought the same thing, we talked the same thing, we ate the same thing, we dressed the same way. It wasn't until God took me out of that and put me in with a crowd that I don't usually associate with. And that is purely because, like you said, there's that division of teams. When God put me there, my eyes were opened up to just seeing how Christ works through people, regardless of the length of your skirt or regardless of what you eat, which really threw me off because I, mm. at the time, you know, I had, we had 
in our little group, we had had this idea of what other people looked like and it was just so different. And I believe that the same thing happens when God takes us out of our Adventist circle and when he puts us in with other people. And as much as we can say, you know, they don't have Christ, they don't believe in God. I have honestly, as I have been very intentional about associating with people in my community and people that aren't Adventist, people that aren't Christian, I have really learned to see just how the goodness of God is in these people. They may not know it is my God. They may not even, you know, want to recognize that it is from God. But there are people outside of my church that I can honestly tell you are probably more Christ-like than people in my church. And that really opened up my eyes Mm. to understanding that unless we get out of our bubbles and unless we get out of this, this mentality of, oh, you know, they have to come to me. I don't go to them. Um, they, when they come to my church, um, it really has just helped me to see Mm -hmm. that the way that God is going to use us has to be so much, it just, we have to open up our mindset and be able to be willing to consider that at some point Jesus went to find the people. Um, he went fishing. He didn't wait for the fish to get into his boat. Um, and we have to do the same thing. Sometimes I believe that we think church is the boat and we just sit in there and we just wait and the fish are just going to jump in and we don't realize, (laughs) no, we have to get out of our boats Mm -hmm. and we have to go into the, you know, onto the sea and find the people. And I think as we do that more, we're going to be stuck with people that don't believe in Adventist beliefs that are going to ask us why we do certain things and they're going to make us question our faith. And it's then that we're going to be really experiencing a different level of um, our journey is going to look a little different because now not everyone is supporting your ideas and some people are going to throw things at you that you're going to be like, I had actually don't have a response for that let me think about it. Let me like go and reflect mm-hmm. on this with God in prayer because I don't know. Your point is so valid, but no one's ever no one's ever questioned anything. Um, and in addition to that, my own conviction of how I perceive people is going to be like God's going to make us question that as well because, like I said, we're going to see that there's some really good people outside the church Um and yeah, that that has really helped me. What about what about with you? What has uh, God really opened your eyes to, or has maybe God switched your mindset as you have been working with people that are not Christian and not Adventist as well? Yeah. So the I think is it, is it episode three, Caleb? Which uh, Chico's episode? Yeah, I think so. Um, so there's this guy that I've met. His name's Chico, and I met him initially as my barber. And I've known him now for, he's been my barber for a little over a year. And when I talk about pagans, he's the pagan that I'm talking about. Um, he, it's a, it's a wild story. He was in a prison for selling meth. All of a sudden, he basically has a vision of Jesus while he's hallucinating on this ayahuasca drink in Peru. It's like this wild conglomerate of all these things six months ago we sit down to interview him and we sit down i think it's maybe like two hours that i I interview this guy and it's just a lot of a lot of elements that would make me feel really 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 uncomfortable he's a former gang member there's the whole drug aspect he's a prisoner you know he was in prison like just a lot of things and then at the end of our interview he says that the last time that he was in peru he was hallucinating and all of a sudden he has a vision of Jesus 
<laughs> I'm like, whoa, okay, tell me more. And as it turns out, what uh, did your Jesus look like? Yeah, I mean, all the questions, right? I'm so intrigued by this idea. But he concludes the story by saying something. He says, and so now I believe in Jesus. And I'm about to like leap off my chair and celebrate. But in the same breath, he says, and I believe in Jesus. And I believe in Muhammad. And I believe in Buddha. And I believe in Mother Ayahuasca. He says, I believe in all of it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not what I was kind of hoping for the story to conclude. And... um it was this really interesting moment because I could so clearly see his heart. And once the episode goes out, I hope that you'll be able to see it, see what I've seen as well. But this guy is just pure of heart, man. He's definitely, when Jesus talks about those who are pure in heart, they'll see God. When he talks about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, mm. like this is Chico to the T. If you looked up pure in heart in the dictionary, mm. you'd see Chico's smiling face there. And so six months ago, we record this episode and there's no resolution, at least not the neat resolution that, you know, you would expect from like an Adventist testimony or uh, mm-hmm. a video produced by a bunch of, you know, Jesus followers or whatever. And, you know, so we're going to put the episode mm-hmm. out there and it's going to just sit there and it's going to be this thing where it's like, man, I see Chico and his, his heart but it's not where I want it to be. And I think that that's a story that so many people can relate to. We all have friends, we all have family, we all have coworkers, fill in the blank, that are exactly like this. Like you just described, I know some people there that are not in the church, that are just beautiful people. And so, you know, like we have this, this tension that we live in. And so we're willing to embrace that tension. And to, to put that content yeah. out there, I think a lot of the content... The first episode will be the easiest one to listen to. I'm hanging out with an atheist, but the story is great. And there's a good kind of like common ground point. Some of the other episodes might not have that neat, you know, ending that we're hoping for, but we're willing to put it out there anyways, because this is what it looks like when you're listening. It's what it looks like when you have conversations. It doesn't always have this magical ending all the time. And yet when we lean into those relationships and we're not uh, like turned off by that or afraid of that. And we still show up day after day, week after week. Six months later, we're still hanging out with Chico. And basically, long story short, and we'll, we'll end up doing a follow-up episode on this. But long story short, he's come to faith in Christ. And he's. we were just on stage just the other day together sharing his testimony at Storyline Church. And uh, Chico, at the very end of the entire thing, is like, and I now I want to say Amen. that I love Praise God. I love Jesus. I am in love with Jesus. And it's just wild just to see what has happened. But it took well over a year of constant interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that, um, like like Caleb was saying, like sometimes it's not until someone steps out and gives an example or someone steps out and goes a path that maybe we don't all know about. Um, and I know that for you, because obviously I stalk you and I have stalked you for a long time, but <laughs> I know that even the rebranding of, of your YouTube um, took a lot. And I know that, you know, there was, you know, mixed opinions about what you were doing, but I think that you're setting an example like through the ministry that you and Caleb are setting up that um, Caleb is like, let's open up the stories of what people really are like. Nothing has been done like that before for our church. Um, I believe that we often are just like, 
Adventists have got it all together and we're going to make sure that everyone knows that we've got it all together. And Caleb opened a path and started marking a path for people to be okay to share that you struggle as an Adventist. And then for you now, Justin, to be opening up the direction and a path for people to say, it's okay for you to go and talk to people that don't have the same faith. And then it's okay to finish your interaction and your conversation with them, with them not being Adventist and with them not being Christian. Like the purpose of that, that communication Mm. is okay if they don't become converted. And I think because I did a bit of um, Bible work, but it was really just like volunteer stuff. But I really loved Bible work and I used to, um, we used to have a market store where we used to give free books and DVDs and I used to do that by myself for probably like two years because my husband just spiritually wasn't ready to make that commitment. And I did that and I tell you the stuff that people throw at you um, when you do that kind of ministry is it, if it doesn't give you a thick skin, it'll make you lose your faith. It, it, it's either one or the other, but um as I did that and as I engaged in that, I realized that our interactions, the transactions that we have with people are more important than the result. Um, yeah. I had people leave my bookstore, my DVD store, and they weren't any more Adventist or any more converted to Christianity than what they left. But I always had trust and faith that God put them in my path and whatever I was able to share for his glory that was what my purpose was for. And I believe that as we continue to do this kind of work, we're vindicating God's character. Mm. Whether they come to Christ or not, it doesn't matter. But if we can show the character of Christ and vindicate the goodness of God in our interaction, whether it's a five-minute interaction or a two-hour interaction, if that's what we can leave at the table, then we have left the table full. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. What about you, Kate? Is that what have you? What are some things that you've learned uh, through the process of interviewing um, all these heathens and pagans? Yeah, I think I've learned how arrogant it is to believe that they have nothing to teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, we so often come into ministry and even life as religious people as, okay, I am the teacher now. I my whole you know, even the premise of evangelism is I have something that I need everyone else to learn. Mm. But what we do with that is we take the position that I have nothing to learn from the person who is not Christian, Mm -hmm. who's not Adventist. And through this process, first of all, the best questions come from people who don't believe like you. Mm. The absolute, the questions that will stump you the ones that make you think about things that you've just taken for granted the whole time, they come from people who they're like, okay, tell me about it. Uh, why do you believe this? And you're like, wait, why do I believe this? Mm. Cause everyone has said it so many times Yeah. and because I'm afraid of being wrong, you know, or, or whatever the reason is. Um, but really, really this is, this is a questioning process that started when I left the church is that I saw people acting more like Jesus outside the church mm. at the time than inside the church. And that, that uh, it really shook my understanding of our purpose. You know, if, if there are people who are dedicating their life and money and time to serving their community and they're a group of atheists, and yet my church is just gathering together to sing the same songs we sang last Sabbath, to talk about the same subjects we've talked about for this for years. And if we kind of stopped being in the community, the community wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't know you know and and so i think just this ongoing process of you know 
where is God showing up in other places in the world? We, we don't have the monopoly on God mm. and he doesn't only use Adventists. Mm. Um, what is he trying to show us in other people and, and who is he using to, to bring us to him? You know, I, th- I think that's really the, the process for me. You know, what can I learn? Whose mouth is God using to speak to me? And just the understanding that it's not always going to be a Seventh-day Adventist or a Christian or a pastor. Mm. Uh, it can come from anybody. I mean, God God used a donkey, mm. you know. God, the, even it's it's interesting, even in the Bible, you have these people who are prophets, right? And Sure, they had a message from God, but yet God has to use other people or situations or even an animal to teach them. Mm. Um, and it's the same for us. And and as I think about it, like when we really consider, like I, I always reflect on Jesus's ministry. Like I, I focus on who did he reach out to? How did he reach out to them? How did he deal with the church people? Um, but when I mm. look at it, like, when you have a, when you really consider and just apply Jesus's ministry and what we see through the Bible for today, for today and for our ministry, like I think about if the Samaritan woman came to me with my prejudices and with my ideas, I would mm-hmm. be like, "What does this woman have to share with me?" But she shared the gospel. She she had an experience with Christ and began to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. If I was to have a look at the demoniac like I could be the same I'd be like that's the crazy guy that was locked up naked in the in the cemetery like if if I was to judge people by what they can Mm -hmm. contribute to my walk or what they can do for the gospel based on like appearances and based on my ideas Mm. of what these people look like I can easily say to the demoniac sorry I know you're a crazy man but it's not until you give them time to speak that you can actually hear and see how God is, has worked in their life and is working in their life. And I believe from my personal journey, the way that it has, has happened, that as I have branched out of hanging around Seventh-day Adventist circles, as I socialize with people that aren't Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm very intentional about that, I almost get a little frustrated at myself when I haven't hung out with non-Adventists and non-Christians because I'm like, oh, God, you know, that that's that's not where I want to be. Um I I just learned so much from them and it is when I sit down and as I have built up a friendship with them that they share with me <clears throat> experiences that they have had with Christ. And I think of Chico, like in his own little way, you were able to get the, the, the interview or that conversation to get to the point where he's like, oh, and let me tell you about what I experienced with Jesus. Might not be our typical idea of how you experience Jesus and the gospel, but at the end of the day, every experience that I have had with a heathen, an unbeliever, an extremely worldly person, um, there's a lady in our community. So she's very active like um, with Reiki and she's into like Wicca and all that sort of stuff. But she came to our Adventist church for a funeral for a church member. Like they're the interactions that I see now when I stand back. I'm like, yeah, that lady could mm. be so like worldly and heathen and you know, really into like Satan worshiping and all that sort of stuff, which she is, and she's very public about it and that doesn't bother her. But she has reached out to me uh, to try and work on community events with our church because I sort of represent a lot of the community stuff that our church does. But she reaches out to me. She's like, hey, would anyone from your church be interested in helping out with like food prep and stuff like that? And I see that as glimpses of the gospel 
in her life, even in the midst of that. And I feel that when we have these conversations with people, if we can see the transactions that are occurring, like with heavenly eyes, uh, with divine eyes, we'd be able to understand that we're just a piece on their journey towards Mm -hmm. Christ. And we may not be the last piece that completes the conversion, but if we can be one piece in that puzzle, God can continue to work it out so that we can continue to add pieces uh, so that they can get the full picture of who God is and what the gospel has to offer them. So, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. That's really beautiful. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the next point. Um, We probably touched a little bit on how, you know, this has affected us personally. Um, But one point that I did think I wanted to ask you both was because, you know, maybe some people will try and find that. How do you reconcile the idea of listening to people's story and witnessing? How do you allow your listening to also be redemptive um, rather than, oh, I'm just going to listen to everything that you don't believe that is like me? Um, and then just finish the conversation with that. How are you feeling impressed that your listening and your conversations are going to be of some redemptive worth? Maybe we could we could, we could say that. Yeah, I think in in many ways, listening is a form of witnessing, especially in like the day that we live in, where everyone is always bombarded with messaging. Um, you know, if you're on your phone, you're on the computer or the television, or even just like walking around the city, there's always messages that are being shouted at you buy this product or sign up for my course, this, or mm-hmm. you need this. And so listening actually is a currency of sorts. Uh, listening is a commodity that most people don't have the privilege of. Um, there's a really interesting Uh, article that was put out a couple months back that talks about how human interaction is becoming uh, um, a luxury of just the wealthy. Um, For a lot of poor families, Mm. uh, they put their kid in school. Uh, Maybe they're like in some kind of after school program. But more than likely, what happens is, you know, what, what it looks like is mom or dad is out working late at night and the kids are basically put in front of a device And so these kids oftentimes grow up with very little human interaction. And so when someone sits down to talk to them, it's out of the ordinary. This is why social skills have been um, somewhat underdeveloped, as we're seeing in younger generations right now. And so simply being in the space where you can give someone human interaction, where you can give a listening ear, is already setting you in a category that's different than most of their human interactions. And so I find that listening is actually a way of endearing yourself to someone and showing that you care, showing that they matter and showing that they have value. Mm -hmm. And when you listen, they're more likely over time to ask you questions and to be willing to hear what you have to say. I think listening is inherently redemptive. Yes. So one person that I'm fascinated by, his name is Daryl Davis. And he is a, a black man who basically is is responsible, I think, for converting 200 members of the Ku Klux Klan uh, away from white supremacy. And one quote that he says is um, something to the effect of uh, when I'm actively listening to someone, I'm passively teaching them about myself. And what I take from that is listening builds intimacy with someone. It creates trust. Um, It shows that you have a genuine interest in them. And I think 
what I've found after spending a lot of time listening to people is that they need that outlet of being able to talk first. You know, we're all kind of seeking to know and be known. Um, but we don't often get the chance to be known. Um, a lot of people just listen to respond. A lot of people don't really process what they hear from other people. And it's because we all have this deep craving for them to know us. And I think when you turn that on its head and you intentionally want to know them, uh, it, it's so rare that it, it really stands out. You know, and especially when you're a religious person listening to someone who is not, this is not the default attitude that we go to. Um, and, and it really, it throws people, you know, that this first episode that we're releasing of I'm listening, uh, Ronnie says, you know, you listening to me, you responding to me really threw me mm -hmm. for a loop. Like it is so yes. different from what I expected from a Christian. Um, and, and that's, that's sad but it is the reality that we live in. And so, you know, I, I think, I think we should never be afraid of hearing out someone else. I think if we're coming from a place of, we only have faith because we don't know anything else, maybe that's not a very strong faith. You know, I, I think being exposed to things and still coming to the conclusion that Jesus is God, that, you know, this, this faith matters. Um, it shouldn't be because we're ignorant. It shouldn't be because we've blocked out all other voices in the world. It should be that we've heard these things and this is still the best thing out there. You know, this is still the truth. Yeah. And I really think that it is so important because I think maybe just with the, the with just the idea that we have that we're the ones that are to convert people, we're the ones that are to tell people that you know, <laughs> typical Adventists that they're they're going to church on the wrong day, and if they're not a Christian, we're the ones that are to tell them like they need to be asking for forgiveness and that they need to be repenting. I think sometimes when we can be so, and I'm I'm extremely impulsive person, so I. I'm talking about myself right now, when we can be so impulsive about, about what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be saying, I think when we allow the Holy Spirit to almost like just take our tongue and just pause us for a little bit, when we can allow the Holy Spirit to just give us that discernment of the value of listening to a person's story, like you said, it is redemptive. Um, I know for me with this podcast, it turned, it got a little dark in periods and I shared a lot of stuff about me personally um, of what the struggles that I was going through. And there was just, there was a, a degree of like peace and like a burden had just been taken off my back. Just knowing that someone's listening, I'm like, I don't know if he's wanted to listen to all of that, but there was a degree of healing that came about just with the idea of speaking out the stuff that's going on in my life. And I think sometimes when we can sit with people and sit with them long enough to hear what their brokenness looks like, to hear what their story looks like um, and their journey, I believe that there's a certain degree of healing that comes just with having someone listen. And I think of like, that's why people go to therapy. Um, that's why people go and see counselors. It's because they have a safe space in which they can share the depth of where their life has been, the stuff that maybe no one else knows, but they can have someone who's there to listen. And if if that's where God calls you to be able to also prompt them and help them and guide them uh, to maybe some options that they can 
turn to um, when they are in those moments that are really low and where they are experiencing the pain and the heartache um, of, you know, their trauma and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I do believe that listening is redemptive also. I do believe that there is value in it, but maybe our church has this idea that we're the ones that are to speak and they're supposed to listen. We don't probably maybe use the best skill in active listening to people as a way of being able to help heal them and to help bring them closer to Christ as well. Um, so, yeah, I I really agree with that as well. So that's that's really cool. So maybe let's wrap this one up with what are some practical ways of how you think our church members or just Christians in general can apply the things that you have learned through your podcast and through the rebranding of your YouTube channel um, that can help them to also be able to maybe listen better? Um, maybe what what are some things that you have to try and switch in the way that you think with regards to listening or how to listen? Um, what are some things that you would recommend practically for people to do so that they can have these same sort of conversations as, as both of you are having? Um, I think just the willingness. It, it has to come from uh, the right place. If you're only listening to someone so that you can change their mind or if you're only giving them the space to speak so now you can speak, I think people will hear that and people really um, can sense that. And it's been more and more evident to me that that's how people like de- operate as a default. As I'm trying to book more and more conversations with people in this area, they're really hesitant as though I have some ulterior motive uh, as a person of faith to interview them about their journey. I think about one guy in in particular, a good friend of mine, he knows me as a friend, but like the whole public part of it seems scary. Um, He he left the church and I wanted to do uh, Mm -hmm. a piece on him just talking about, okay, why did you leave the church? Help me understand why. And he's so afraid of what the public backlash of that would be because he immediately associates a conversation of faith with being judged and it might harm him socially or professionally or whatever his anxiety around that is. And I get it. Like I get it. So if we can get to the place where we just simply want to listen for the good of that person and and my message to him is like, brother, like Mm -hmm. I'm willing literally to fly to where you're at to spend the entire day and invest all the resources that I would need to invest in to, to go through this. And then at the end of the day, if you say no shooting of the episode, like that's, that's totally fine. Like, and we won't do it and it's okay. Cause it's more about me connecting with you than it is about mm-hmm. anything. And actually, funnily enough, I am in San Francisco right now where he's at. And we were supposed to meet yesterday to do the interview. He didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with it. So I said, no problem. We won't do it. We're just going to hang out and do dinner instead. And so, like, for me, it really comes from this perspective, just wanting to be with this person, Mm -hmm. just wanting to journey with them. There's no ulterior motive. I told them there's no pressure, no expectations. I just want to be there and and be one of those people that that cheerleads for you and supports you because I think who you are and what you do and what you stand for is awesome, even though we don't agree on the Jesus thing. Yeah, I I think, I think for, I think that I, I agree with just everything Justin said. I also think that if people are more uh, rules based and they need something like tangible, practical, besides a change of heart, I think an easy place to start is examine where the information and the stories you're putting in your head every day are coming from. 
what perspectives they're coming from. For example, do you follow exclusively Adventist media? Uh, do you follow exclusively uh, conservative or liberal media? Um, what are the voices that you're hearing? Are you hearing a lot from the same race as you? You know, the same, um, you know, what, whatever your, your situation is, have you enclosed yourself only in hearing things that you already agree with? And if so, get intentional about going in and unfollowing some of that, refollowing on social media. Um, even if, if you're a book person, pick up some books that are written from a, a completely different perspective than you. I think this is so important because, you know, me coming from a, a background of not having diverse perspectives, uh, media like Humans of New York exposed me to stories I wouldn't, I wouldn't seek out. You know, I wouldn't have in front of me. And I think if we started by looking for them, by, you know, reading through full things, not just like, oh, I'm put off by this because I disagree with it. It's over, you know, the end. Um, but actually trying to digest that information and worldview and perspective and stories from other people. I think that that starting place in the privacy of your own, um, you know, mind and, and, and reading and watching experience really does affect your physical life. I think it opens up new relationships. I think it opens you up to be a more friendly, curious person. Um, and, and it's, in my opinion, an important part of your walk with God. You know, it's not just reading the Bible is very important. Prayer is very important. But I also think that our capacity to love is affected by our capacity to listen. And as the commandment of loving your neighbor, I think part of that is trying to understand your neighbor. And and if we have a look again, like, I mean, we'll have a look at Jesus' example. Like, he gave time to people. And I think, you know, in an instant society where, you know, if your download takes a few seconds to start playing, you know, you start getting frustrated. Um, I believe that as well. The, the more that we understand that, I mean, for, for me that has, has done community work and stuff like that, and I've done Bible studies, and um, I think we need to understand that everyone's heart is in such a different space that if we were to assume that everyone is ready to accept the gospel and that's what we gauged our outreach and that's how much we invested in people, if we don't get that instant acceptance of the gospel and and that's where we stop with a person, I think we really need to just continue to ask God to give us um, a heart like his uh, because I know for me, God has been very patient with me. Um, and he has dealt with me in a way that I know I wouldn't have dealt with myself if I was God. And the more that we become aware of that and the more that, like you were saying, um, the love that we have for others is demonstrated by the amount of time that we invest in them. And we invest not only in us giving and us telling them the truth that we want to, that we feel impressed that we have to share, but it's also in giving them an opportunity to be heard and to be um understood I, I think that is I think that is a more I don't know a more realistic view of, of what it is to work with people in our community um, and I like your idea of you know getting onto Facebook pages or maybe um, consuming some content that isn't necessarily Christian um, there's podcasts that you can get that are from atheists and people that are not professing any type of faith and 
when you see things the way that they see things, it gives you a much deeper understanding. I know my stepdad, so he's atheist, um, but I can see God's working on his heart as well. Um, but he tagged, and this is how we don't perceive, like we just so naive and ignorant, I believe, to some idea, some extent of how other people see things. So he he's on a, um, I think, I can't remember what his page is, but it's like, it's like an atheist page. And there was a post that he commented on, and I don't think he realizes that. You know how sometimes you comment on a post and it shows up on your newsfeed, on other people's newsfeed? So he made a comment on this atheist um, little post. And because he's my friend, it's shown up what his comment was on my newsfeed. And obviously he's he's very, he tries to be really polite because he knows I'm Christian, but when we're together, but I know he doesn't really like Christians at all. But on this post, it talked about a woman and I'm going to be really quick about it, but he talks about a woman who prayed. There was a dress that she was at the shops and there was a dress and the dress was missing the belt that it came with in her size. And so she prayed, she's like, oh, I really want this dress, but the belt is missing and we can't find it. And I don't know, long story short, she says she said a prayer and God answered her prayer and and she found the belt for her dress. And she was just, the whole post is about how happy she is that God answered her prayer. For me as a Christian, I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, we give thanks for the little things and for the big things. And I perceived my idea of how I would see that whole story is like, yeah, that's how good my God is. Like he's so personal. He's so intimate that he even cares about the little things. And he gave this woman her belt. The atheists, the way that they put that post up is, so this God that she believes in gives her a belt, but a child that is dying of cancer doesn't get healed. And I just was... My, I was in shock because I'm like, wow, the way that you see the same story is so different, but yet it's so true. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. how can I be like, yeah, my God gives me a belt, but he won't heal a child that is dying from cancer. How do mm-hmm. I reconcile that? How do I deal with that? How do I mentally, spiritually Mm-hmm. digest that and process it to the point where I can actually explain myself and say why my God gave a woman a belt but he won't heal a, a sick child and I think the more that we can like just expand our mind to allow for that type of conversation and for that type of ideas for us to be able to process it I know that if we are sincere in allowing God to show us the answer for the situations like that he will give us the answers and our faith will be strengthened. Um, but I also believe that the less that we put ourselves in positions to consider how other people think about our faith and about our God, I think it's going to limit how much we can do um, for the gospel because we just won't have answers because we didn't put ourselves in a position where those answers were able to be asked of us. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I, I just value the, the direction that you are both taking uh, with this podcast and with the videos, because I do believe that we're, we're getting to a, a time in society and in this generation where, um, there's less of a Christian influence in our education, in our society, and people are really throwing out some, some decent arguments about Christianity and, um, if we're not able to answer those questions in a society that is basically losing its faith in God, then we are going to really limit how much we can, we can give to people's lives, how much we can give to our church um, and how much we can grow the, grow the kingdom. Um, 
because people are already really turned off Christianity. And unless we're able to give something that is more redemptive, that is more encouraging and that is more inspiring, um, we're just going to continue to see people that are just like, you know what, your church, I don't want it and I don't need it. Um, So any final points before we conclude that you guys want to share as we finish off? Um, I'd just like to say thank you so much for having us on here. And I just want to say that also you are an inspiration with what you're doing. I just been seeing the way that you've been on this journey of faith as a podcaster and now a YouTuber. <laughs> I think that's super cool. Um, it's it's awesome that there's other people out there who who see see the same challenges that we see and are trying to go about fixing it. And I just am so grateful for what you're doing on the other side of the world. I think it's awesome. It's inspirational, and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, and and you've been such an encouragement, really. I remember when you started this. I remember the very first episode. I remember someone telling me, like, hey, they mentioned humans of Adventism, <laughs> you know, in this post. And, and, and the combination of seeing you grow the podcast itself, but also just how uh, hands-on you've been about going on and encouraging other people Mm. and letting them know that they matter and that their work is, is having some effect. I mean, I I think a lot of times people assume that we hear a lot of positive feedback Mm. and that's not always true. So just, yeah, thank you for what you're doing both with this and personally in just coming on and encouraging us because you have no idea where each of us are at when we read these things mm. we could be in a really low point and just just the small act of saying hey just want to remind you that that you matter and that you've made a difference in my life is uh, priceless yeah well I'm, I'm just thankful like honestly for someone who is in rural queensland homeschooling mom um i must say like it it, it I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. Like I sit in front of this road mic week after week and I'm like, what on earth? Oh my God, you are, you are funny. Um, But I must say that I think once I was able to see your ministries and both of you, and in addition to that Jasper, so there's a picture from, I think it was the communicators conference thing that you guys went to. And there's a picture of the three of you. Like if I could put that as an A3 <laughs> poster <laughs> next to my bed, like you're doing like when you're, when you're a teenager, I would do that because honestly, you, the three of you just have played such a big part in me even getting in front of a mic and doing the podcast. And I think your inspiration and your journey just being so organic like mine, um, Caleb, you started with a phone. Uh, Justin, you started in a room with like mice all over the place. Um, just seeing that this is this is what God can do if you're faithful and if you are trusting on his calling to do that um, has really left me like, well, if they could do that, then I could do that. So it has been really, really, um, yeah, it, it has definitely been part of, of that. So to have you guys on here, I was just like, I'm like, can I get Jasper in? And then it'd be like, I can tick all three boxes. Um, but yeah, so so thank you for that. And encouragement, I agree. So I did a I did a sermon about two weeks ago or three weeks ago now. And um, I was asked to speak about my podcast. And I was like, you know what? I can't do justice to my podcast if I don't speak about everyone that is in this digital space. And um, 
I asked all the podcasters that I know of if if I asked I sent them some questions and asked if they could answer them and that I would share it with with the people and during the sermon. And one of those was what is the biggest blessing that has come from the podcast? And just like you guys have said, like for them, every single person, and there were nine podcasts that I that actually replied back and that I was able to share their responses with, they were said, it's created interactions and connections with people mm-hmm. that we've never would have communicated with had it not been for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, and they said, you know, we've cultivated a friendship from people that we interviewed. And then in addition to that, the other blessing, and everyone said the same thing. The other blessing was, it's so nice to hear from the listeners and to hear their encouragement and to hear how much the podcast is blessing their lives. And I totally like, I I'm, I've always been someone and even this is even before the podcast, I was always someone that wanted to make sure that people felt appreciated and I know how much it would mean. And honestly, now that I'm in the digital space, I can totally resonate with the fact that we, you don't know where we are on a journey um, and sometimes those those messages or that encouragement just literally takes a cloud away. Um, it it turns a light on the darkness yeah. that we're experiencing for that day. So I know how much it has helped me. So I can only but do the same for others. So um, yeah, thank you so much, guys. And Justin, thank you so much for reaching out. Like honestly, I wouldn't have done it because I'm obviously <laughs> still a little insecure about reaching out to to guys like you, but. Uh, we're working on that. God's like, this year is the year that you will be, you'll be a little bit more comfortable and um, yeah. yeah, you'll reach out to people. So thankfully I didn't have to reach out to Absolutely. you guys. You reached out to me. So that worked really well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, just to finish up, can we just um, maybe give details of where people can find your ministries, how they can get in touch with the podcast, if you just want to give a big spiel and even um, the Center of Online Evangelism, how we can access that information. So if you want to just do a whole whole load of just telling us where we can find stuff yeah so uh if you're interested in getting training and education when it comes to social media ministry uh center for online evangelism is a great resource center for online evangelism.org uh they have two major projects the first one is called project caleb and that's not necessarily a partnership with caleb isley humans of adventism really? what? <laughs> i know they missed <laughs> They missed an opportunity there. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, but uh, that's all about, this is all about uh, training people and helping them, you know, equip churches and individuals for the online mission field. They also have this thing called the Rwanda Project, where it's basically they yeah. are helping uh, refugees from Rwanda be trained in uh, digital missionary work and also eventually hiring a handful of awesome. them. So it's providing education and jobs for those who mm-hmm. are uh, kind of going through some rough patches. So that's where I would encourage people to check out. Uh, if you want to follow myself or any of the shows that I run, easiest place to do that is follow me on Instagram at J-K-H-O-E. And there's a link in the bio that should get you to all the different shows mm-hmm. that I do. Excellent. And there is a few. So trust me, go to the Instagram. It'll be the easiest. Um, and Caleb, what about yourself? How do we get um, our hands on some of that human of Adventism stories? <laughs> sure. The uh, the first place that is like where all the new stories go right away is on Facebook. Just search Humans of Adventism or Instagram is usually the second place. And then if you would like to look at, you know, we have these conversation cards for sale. We have T-shirts and that kind of thing. If you want to find podcasts that we've done or uh, 
articles, magazines, that kind of thing, go to AdventistHumans.com. And that's kind of the, the hub, the archive of all of that. Okay, excellent. And I will say, um, so Caleb did mention that he does, so he does two stories for Human of Adventism and two stories for the Oregon Conference. Um, and I liked that page just so I can s- just read the stories um, that come from your conference. So um, yeah, even get onto the uh, Oregon Conference Facebook page and you'll be able to see more of the stories um, that have, yeah, that have just impressed people, inspired people. Um, and also giving you a deeper insight into what our church membership looks like. So that's another page as well. Um, all right. So when does this podcast launch? When does this new YouTube rebranded channel begin? Just so that everyone can mark it on their yeah. calendar and start counting down because I'm counting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited for it's it. So uh, January 24 mm-hmm. is when episode one launches and we are so excited about that. We've been literally working on this for all, over half a year yeah. uh, and it's finally time to put it out there. We're going to be aiming for two episodes a month, though mm-hmm. we are committed to not uploading an episode until we are excited about the episode. So we're not going to rush anything. So sometimes that might mean there's three weeks in between an episode, but we're going to try and do two episodes a month. Yeah. Okay, excellent. So make sure to be watching, make sure that you have subscribed, that you have liked and that you are following by January 24th because the first interview is is really encouraging. Like I, I remember hearing your story, hearing about Ronnie's story before this interview. So when we saw Ronnie come on, I was like, oh, it's the raging atheist. And then when I've little trailers, <laughs> little snippets that you've been given, I was like, oh Lord, no, no. I was just so encouraged by his story. It was just amazing. So yeah, January 24th, everyone make sure to find um, I am listening podcast and also get onto the youtube channel and caleb's human of adventism page so guys thank you so much continue to do what you're doing you are you are setting a path for us all um and yeah through your through your ministry and through your personal lives you're just encouraging and inspiring so many people around the world that um yeah it, it really is just amazing um, how God is using you. So thank you for your time. All right, till next interview, I'll try and find something else that I can interview you guys on. And then we'll try and get Jasper <laughs> in and then it'll be like, wow. Yeah, we got it. That'll be super <laughs> fun. Yeah, that'd be so cool. All right, well, everyone, thank you for joining us. I know that you were impressed. I know that you were blessed and I know that you were inspired. So may you all have a deeper desire to uh, get behind these ministries, support them in whatever way that you feel impressed to. Um, And in addition to that, I I pray that God impresses you of the value and the power of digital ministry and that, yeah, I'm sure that you all have a phone and you can all start somewhere and somehow um, and, yeah, allow God to just bless whatever it is that you put into uh, this digital space. So until next week, my prayer, my hope and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name and stay on fire and online with the Holy Spirit. See you.